you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast is the Maurice Harris of podcasts. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm in a room that is filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I'm like the I'm the Maurice Harris of this podcast. Low expectations, a camp grinder. It's gonna max out his uh, natural ability. I I see you more as Edelman. I wish. Um, our show, of course, presented by the great Sirius XM, where you go for all your tunes. That that's something I added a slogan. They have not cleared it, <laughs> but if they did, we're looking for a new slogan. The place to go for all your tunes. That's available. And sports. And sports. <laughs> so dot, 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 and sports. Do people still say tunes? No. That's the problem. But I'm giving you the option. Hot tracks. All right. Erica, you ever listen to, like, Coffee Shop Channel on Sirius XM? That's a good question. That's, that's a good one. Are you a serious listener? Yeah. So what are your, your go-to stations? I mean, I like Hits 1. I like The Heat, which is, like, R&B. Yeah. Um... <laughs> The Pulse is like oldies classics. It's Channel 15. That's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. But oldies, no, it's like early 2000s, right? Um, They do a mix. That's oldies now. <laughs> I know it is. They do a mix. It's like, and here's an, the old-timer Britney Spears <laughs> coming yeah. right at you with Toxic. Yeah. Um, I like the Spectrum. Spectrum's my like dad station that I like. Mm. What's that? It's like a spectrum of music from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. Hmm. Like, like alternative rock. I like uh, the college stations as well. That nice. Connected to the kids. I feel like they got to adjust that though in 2019. They're like, next up on the spectrum, <laughs> Green Day. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. All right. Good, serious talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. Welcome back from the weekend. Um, Wes, how was you? I know you you held a shindig. Yeah, my brother drove in. He was in Vegas. Uh, we played quite a bit of cornhole. Mm. Had some pulled pork, some Cincinnati style chili. Good, good night. Good times. 
Very good. You were there, I imagine, Greg? I was briefly. I had I had my kids with me, so I, it was an early departure. I hear it. You were that guy. It, yeah, it raged out. Uh, yeah, Patrick Claibon came over with his son, Malcolm. But, yeah, we were both leaving probably as the party was just about to get really rip-roaring. I was, it was unfortunate. I was unable to attend. Double birthday scenario. When you get hit with a double birthday, you got to go underneath. You got to go underground. <laughs> how to take care of the boy, how to take care of the wife. No room for daddy to make plans. Good performance by Spice Rack. Nice. Yeah. How's Spicy doing? Spicy's doing well. Uh, you know, Colleen John are there. Good, good oh, crew. Oh, nice. Good crew. Is there any value to Spice Rack on this show now that he's not in the desert? Let's just let's just be honest about this. It's a fair question. <laughs> Spice Rack, of course, your desert consigliere you would go to, we would go to for college football, wagering advice, stuff like that. That I mean, that's that's out there as a question. I, I think it's a fair question, and it's something we will have to dig in deeper behind the scenes. I think I, I think it would be good to have him in the studio one time, and it can be one. It's like one of those guest stars on a sitcom where it's like if he happens to hit a home run, maybe it becomes a recurring character. But <laughs> like it's just, the contract's just for one time. And I it should be remembered that I am on call for duty, jury duty all week, so feel free if I'm not here Wednesday or Friday to just plug Spice Rack in for that test. No, you got to be here. <laughs> you got to be here for that. Uh, coming up on today's show. Okay, so we're about two weeks deep in training camp, uh, and we have one week of the preseason in the book. So perfect time to take stock of what's going on in the National Football League. Some winners and losers uh, thus far uh, in August. Also, uh, a lot to get to, including, yes, more heat around Antonio Brown, so we'll get to that in just a moment. It is time now for what we're hearing presented by SiriusXM. Let's do some news, Ricky. Everyone's still fighting for a spot on the team. Um, can you tell me how impressed you are with some of the players that are considered to be on the bubble, and can you give any names? Yeah, I don't know what the bubble is, so <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know who that is. I mean, he. I mean, he, listen. The woman, not a great question. The bubble is a widely understood and known term, so Belichick is banging her on that one. But uh, he's never going to say who's on the bubble, right? That's saying like whose job is <laughs> yes. on the line. No, no, coach. Would so not a great really. question. He's lying. He knows what the bubble. <laughs> he knows what the bubble. <laughs> but he knows what the bubble is. Well, it's like when Classic he says, Belichick. "It's like when he says my face at this oh, yeah. point." He's, it's yeah. a bit. Oh, he knows. It's a bit. He knows. All right. As the Antonio Brown world turns, yes, that's what the Oakland Raiders are all about now. Antonio Brown and all the drama uh, therein. So let's get into it. So, yes, where, where we last left off, the last episode, uh, both in the soap opera and our podcast, was that uh, Mike Silver, uh, our own Mike Silver of NFL Network, uh, released that 20-part thread, uh, all the nuggets about um, his anger about the helmet, about his uh, behavior in team meetings, about storming out of the facility and being AWOL, all that. So then we get a report that comes out that Adam Schefter reports Brown has told the Raiders he, quote, will not play football again if the league does not allow him to wear his preferred helmet. So where have we gone from here? Okay. So John Gruden, after the Raiders' um, preseason opener, is asked to – give comment on the situation. There's no way he can avoid it. And he's kind of in a tough spot because you can't really come down against Brown. It's a very sensitive situation. Here's uh, what Gruden had to say when asked about it. We're going to support him. And uh, whatever his decision is, um, 
we'll stand by it. But we're, we're confident that he's going to be a huge factor for the Raiders for years to come. <laughs> years to come. That's funny. Uh, then the Athletic reported that Brown, he plans on holding out, holding the NFL libel if he suffers a head injury while wearing this new league-approved helmet, which, again, everyone in the NFL after the one-year grandfather period last year has to wear this new helmet. But Brown is in, uh, attempting to um, call the NFL's bluff with the possibility that he could come after them down the line for any type of head injury. I mean, he can choose between 20-plus helmets. He just can't wear one that's more than 10 years old and doesn't pass you know, the players' union and the NFL's right. specifications. He, and, he has a lot of choices. And then finally, and you touched on it, Greg, that this is an issue that, for once, the union and the NFL probably going to be on the same page on. Uh, but Brian McCarthy, who works for the NFL, uh, made it clear in a statement that a player cannot play or practice without a league-approved equipment. It's out of out of the question. So where does that leave us? Antonio Brown's still missing. Oh, and Wes, he still has frostbitten feet. And <laughs> still a thing, too. Following the Raiders' preseason game, John Gruden said, I support this guy. I think that's what needs to be said. And I think the problem isn't that John Gruden uh, took a calculated risk and traded for Antonio Brown. The problem is that he gave him a mega contract, which goes against a culture he's trying to institute with his draft picks. Cleveland Farrell, their number one pick on NFL Network today, says, I'm trying to reinforce a whole new culture. Your rookie first-rounder is trying to enforce a new culture, and the guy you traded for rewarded him for his behavior in Pittsburgh is now – he's really undermining your program. He's undermining John Gruden's program, and the emperor has no clothes. Like, to me, I'm not buying into this guy if I'm in that locker room. I mean, the program is chaos. That's always been the Raiders program. I know, and you love that, but that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It worked back in it the 70s. It doesn't work when you let really Khalil Mack go. You trade him. Well, you don't pay him, but you pay Antonio that, that I've been thinking more about that lately, that it is really funny to think back on that Khalil Mack, who is being lauded every day in Bears camp as the ultimate leader because he goes – Balls to the wall, hardest worker on the team, destroying everyone every day in practice. Working hard is not Antonio Brown's problem. No, but I'm just saying like Khalil Mack was exactly – they didn't want to pay Khalil Mack for whatever reason – and and instead you pay Antonio Brown. That said, we still have like three or four weeks. I, if I was a Raiders fan, I'd be more concerned about the feet than the helmet because the helmet is so silly and so ridiculous. That it's like he has to wear the helmet. I'd be more concerned with the brain than the helmet or the feet. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a big test for Hard Knocks. I know you got your eyes on that. But, yes, yeah. I, we're talking about it downstairs. It is one of the more anticipated episodes of Hard Knocks ever. And they're in a tough spot in the sense that how much access are the Raiders going to give? And if the Raiders say we're not giving you any access on this story, which is the biggest story in the NFL, it kind of defeats the purpose of what Hard Knocks is supposed to be. So it will be very interesting, and you wonder what's going on behind the scenes uh, with NFL Films and Ken Rogers, who runs the show for Hard Knocks, and the pushback between the team and the league on this. Very interesting. And he's still, away from, he's still away from the team. I mean, he's still just still gone. doing whatever he wants. That is that is the part that is Cut crazy. this guy. And still two practices. They, cut him. They're never going to cut him. He please. poisons your team. John Gruden said he'll be with them for years to come. And we'll you know see. what? Well, that's not true. But well, I, he He's going to make it to Vegas. I would bet it on it. I'll put a sandwich on that. But also, <laughs> if he did get cut, Wes, there would be a line of teams looking to sign him still, I think. No, there wouldn't. Maybe not even close to the money that he was able to get from the Raiders because I believe that what he'd be so What constitutes a line? More than two? 
Look at his numbers the last five years. I, everybody knows what his numbers are. It gets to a point where the guy isn't worth it. I'm saying that would be your opinion as a GM. Right. But you don't think there would be two, three, four, no, five NFL teams? I don't think there would be more than two teams. I'm on Dan's side. I think at a, at a certain price, there'd be plenty of teams and that would be into it. All right. Oh, man. I love it. It's the second news item we're going to get into. We're going to step into the clubs. Whoa. Wasn't that newsy a weekend? <laughs> don't steal this moment. You know, the Ravens, I'm going to need I'm gonna need some help with this name, but the Ravens had this kicker, Norwegian guy, Kare Vedvik. Sure, why not? Anyway, he um, has been a lights-out performer for the Ravens for the past two training camps. But here's the problem. He's blocked. He's blocked as a, a kicker by Justin Tucker, who's the GOAT. And then even as a punter, because this kid can punt too. But Sam Koch, he's one of the best punters in football. Ravens had a nice setup there at special teams. The best. So, you know, it started bubbling, 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 that this Vedvik kid was going to get moved. And he does. Three days after he goes nuts uh, in the preseason opener, a uh, great performance. Launched 250-plus uh, yard punts, hit four field goals against the Jaguars. This kid's like the natural. <laughs> <laughs> he gets traded. Uh, to uh, the ball, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. 25 years old. Minnesota sends back a 2020 fifth round pick. Hmm. So Minnesota obviously has their problems. He's going to compete with Dan Bailey. Maybe with uh, their punter, Matt Weil. How about this, Wes? That's a lot of draft capital to give up for a kicker. It is. It's a pretty high pick. I guess they... I guess they um, they value the position, which I they should. Guess Dan Bailey should probably be kicking somewhere else this year. Well, yeah, Dan Bailey's been terrible. Bailey shot for like two years, including for whatever at, reason. He's just done Sometimes in this he camp. Used to be one of the best in the business. He used to be. But uh, a source told ESPN um, beat writer Courtney Cronin that they want to see how uh, he looks as a punter. That that's actually that they might see it. He wanted to create competition at both spots. And they, they call him a kicker punter, but it sounds awesome. like he's definitely going to make the team as a punter. And I want to see him do it as both. Be a punter, a kicker. Save a roster spot. That would be awesome. How come this hasn't happened yet? We In baseball, so you have uh, Otani in Anaheim, pitcher and a hitter. Well, not this year with the elbow injury, but... I mean, if you could do that, if you could pitch and play outfield. And kickoffs, kick and that's, well, that's just saving roster spots. We're in the golden age of both place kicking and punting. It's so specialized now. These guys are so good that it's hard to be good enough at both to push, someone, push a specialist out of a job. And by the way, uh, kicker trade heat. Mm. The Vikings had to give up that fifth because the Packers were reportedly in on giving up for a sixth or a seventh How for about a competition. And guess what? And that was what I told you about Mason Crosby, by the way, that Mason Crosby is on that cut list, potential cut list. They were ready to say bye-bye, Mason said Crosby. said Sam Ficken was a threat to his job, I at s- which point I chuckled. I, just, I said Crosby could be out. And it, it, Save they, your Ficken analysis. They have, he, hasn't, well, he hasn't practiced yet. Uh, I hear the excitement in your voice, Greg. Well, good news. We're staying in the club. Stay hydrated, baby. Taylor Catizero, done. <laughs> Out of the league. <laughs> awful, awful in the Jets preseason opener, missing two or three extra points. The only kicker in camp for the Jets, <laughs> which was a mistake. I mean, Chandler Catizero, are we being serious right now? And uh, after that bad game, 
right when everyone knew the Jets were going to bring in some uh, competition, he taps out. Wes, what kind of what kind of strength of character is that? I don't know. I don't want to judge the guy. I never met him, but yeah, you do. Quits. You want to judge? Him. You quit. Twenty eight years old. It's not like he's taking hits. He it's quits. All, it's hey, it's a rough. It's got to be the most psychologically horrifying position in team sports. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, man. that's a mental. He clearly was struggling. One one beat writer, and this was before he was cut, said that I forget what the word the word was, but it's like a just a disastrous camp that he was missing kicks all camp, and he's the only one there. And the writers were like wondering, like this guy's like one for nine in kicks. Uh, that we and there's no one else in the building to go. And against they were just them. like, so he looked in the mirror and said, "I guess I'm not good enough." And you know what? Maybe there is a nobility to that, Wes. But when you're 28 years young and in the prime of your athletic life. I'm not painting this as nobility. I'm just <laughs> intrigued by the kicking position and the psychological warfare that goes It is on. fascinating. It is also fascinating they didn't try to uh, re-sign their Pro Bowl kicker, Jason Myers. Bad job by the Jets. I agree with you. I was going to make that point that not only was it a bad decision to not have competition with the Catman, <laughs> it also was a bad idea. A team flush with cats, cap space runs into Myers last year who was a Pro Bowl kicker. And Out of nowhere. The deal he signed with Seattle put him as the – um, ADP, um, ADP, Aver- average uh, pay for his position at number ten overall. Not a, not a huge contract. Go bring the kid back. Why am I saying kid all the time now? <laughs> I don't know. It's you're like talking you're talking like a seventy-year-old grizzled scout. <laughs> your kicker makes like less than half of what your backup tackle, like Greg so Robinson, brought him back. Like pe- people, you know, kickers deserve more. I'm with you. You don't so have a kicker. Get it. You don't have a kicker, you're in, problem, you're in trouble. I'm not judging the man. I'm not judging Catman, but remember Wizard of Oz. A little bit of judging. Gordon. Remember the Wizard of Oz? Yes, Cowardly, I do. Cowardly Lion? Yes. Well, what did he lack? What did he need? Courage. Mm. That's all. They're both like in the feline. I thought it was heart, but Jeez, that was actually. Maybe it is. Wait, you just said you're not judging him, but you just called him a coward. I didn't say it. In a roundabout way. In a roundabout way, I did. All right, let's move on. Cardinals, some, you know, it's been a what, time. No other pot is hitting the kicker that early and that hard. <laughs> Not even close. It wasn't quiet. Yeah. Not even close. Um, it's been a, a good, you know, training camp so far for the Cardinals um, with all the positivity and the good vibes around the number one pick, Kyler Murray. But some bad news uh, has resurfaced this weekend. Defensive lineman Darius Fallon. Filan? Filan was arrested on Friday in Phoenix with one charge of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, on Saturday, the team announced it had cut him. Um, we didn't have more details of the arrest at this time, but Philan, uh, who had signed a two-year contract in March, uh, started in Thursday night's preseason game against the Chargers uh, and had a tackle. But obviously, um, a guy that had a history, they didn't want to do anything about it. And then also, off the field, you know, Steve Keim, that was a major black guy for the organization, that, that extreme DUI he got. Um, led to the heavy fine and a suspension. Well, you know, now the uh, COO of the Cardinals, Ron Miniger, uh, he was arrested for DUI, and uh, the Cardinals said in a statement that the actions were inexcusable. Kime survived, and perhaps just barely, I wonder, if Miniger, who's been there for a long time, I wonder if he'll be a victim, well, not a victim, but if he'll end up being cast out as a, you know, cautionary tale. Phylon, not a big name, was on our top 100 free agents. I thought was pretty good last year on the Chargers. And I think this is noteworthy just because they are as thin as any team in the NFL on the defensive line. 
It's a terrible-looking defensive line. You got Rodney Gunter and Corey Peters are your other two starters. You got no one on the bench that – It's a bad that, defense overall. And then that, that was going to be my next point is that just like looking out further, you've got a bad defense – You've got Patrick Peterson suspended six games. You've got Vance Joseph running the, sh- the ship. And just based on results, Vance Joseph as a coordinator or as a coach has made the defenses he's joined worse, significantly worse. It's just if I'm a Cardinals fan, that's it. It's a bummer, you know, uh, that the defense might just be so bad that, that it's going to overshadow Murray. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the Colts and Andrew Luck. Frank Reich, uh, the Colts coach, said that, uh, Luck will not take part in joint practices with the Cleveland Browns this week. Um, this is all connected, of course, to the nagging calf injury, a calf injury that Luck has had three separate MRIs trying to determine what quite is the issue. And now we are we're about three weeks out, three weeks and change out from week one. And Luck has been shut down since April. So I'm going to ask the question, Wes. Is it time now to sound the alarm on Chris Wessling and his concern for Andrew Luck's ailing calf? Sound the alarm? It is way too early for that. If next Monday is the alarm date. That's what you said last time, though. It was two weeks ago. You said if he's not back on the field in a week. I said it a week ago. If he's not back in two weeks. Oh, okay. All right, next, Ricky, next Monday. check the tape on what Wes said. We want to get this. We want to get this right. It doesn't even matter what I said. <laughs> it's a one point one until next Monday. That's when we already know he's not practicing this week. If he's not practicing next week, then I'll, it might go up to about a five. I'm less. 5. I'm less concerned about. Then maybe he'll return and be fine. <laughs> I'm more concerned about the previous three and a half months where he was able to practice two days and then was hurt already. That's a long time, you know, for a guy that wants to be practicing and is unable to. You guys remember you saw how bad that hurt him last year when he hit through for 40 touchdowns. All right, but what about the year before it when the Colts kept on telling us he was going to be back, be back, be back, and then he never played? Look, I understand because of his history, everybody's nervous, but this is a guy who did not play at all last summer, looked bad in his first game, and then went on to have well, a he, he practiced, great season. He practiced from the first day of training camp basically on. He had his rest days and stuff, but it was all systems go. And there was much more concern over his arm than there ever will be over his calf, including actual NFL regular season game action when we all thought that the house was falling down. Nothing is scarier than a shoulder injury for a quarterback. That So I agree with you on that. But, and, you know, not to belabor the Kevin Durant tie-in, but that lower body stuff, you know, Guy that has a little bit of mileage on the odometer now, it's something to be concerned about, especially that it continues to linger. They keep on testing. like that. You now get the it, idea. This is what you worry about if you're a Colts fan. My team didn't quite handle this right medically two years ago or two and a half years ago. Is the same thing happening again here where they don't quite have it set? Now, if you're, if you're supporting the Colts organization, what about last year? We kind of nailed it finally and got him on the field at the right time, and he had an all-pro season. I would be very nervous. Though, as a the, the, the only thing that makes me nervous is all the wrong uh, estimates that they've had. That Reich and Luck said he'd be back next week in May. That there's no that there's no way he wouldn't be ready for the start of training camp. Luck said that. You know, Reich said that that he'll, he'll be ready before the start of training. Camp. So then, when that doesn't happen, then so what we've discovered here is yeah. that you guys are very nervous, and I'm not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think it's good though. It, you have Jacoby Brissett. I know there's different feelings on him, but let's say, let's say, 
it's something where Luck is just going to miss two or three games. I think they have one of the best backup quarterback situations in the league with a really good offensive head coach. And can jo- Jacoby Brissett you know, get you a 2-1 and one record or, or whatever 2-2 two and two record if you happen to need that time? Like they're in a better spot than 28, 29 teams out there. Well, they certainly believe that, considering the comments they've made about Jacoby Brissett, the offers they've turned down for him. And supposedly he's had a good camp, and, and the offenses look pretty good in camp. You know, let's get ahead of this. I don't know if the, the Colts are properly ahead of it, but we are. Ricky, let's dig up the Jake Brisket sound drop that we haven't had to use for a while, but uh, maybe if you could just put that on your to-do list ahead of Wednesday's show. I hope not to have Jake sure Brisket thing. in our life, you know, all season, but let's just be prepared. Cool. You don't want to be caught with your pants down. <laughs> no, you don't. Never. <laughs> uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right, before we get to winners and losers, uh, a little um, station note. Yes, it's that time. Big announcement. The Fantasy Extravaganza. It's ready, and it's locked, and it's loaded for next Wednesday. And if you have a draft coming up, and again, God help you if you draft before the third preseason game. Grow up, Peter Pan. You want to you wanna have your draft after that third preseason week for a lot of reasons. Most of all, make sure you don't draft a guy first overall that blows out his knee before the season even starts. That's beside the point. We're making sure to give you this content before um, um, before you have to make your decision when real drafts should be taking place two weeks from now, mm. right? I mean, you it- guys you guys built Roto World brick by brick. You don't really respect guys that are drafting in early August, right? You want to have as much data as possible, and things like what we just talked about, Andrew Luck's calf, for example, matter. Yeah. So the more time you have, the more data you have. If you're like the big fish, Evan Silva, and you've got your hand in hundreds of pots and you're just, you know, a borderline addict, but you've made a career out of it. It's different different because you're just drafting all the time. He he wakes up, he's just drafting, he's in some best ball leagues. That's different. But if you're like most people, you have one or two leagues, it's with your friends, that's the time to do it because you get to hear great advice like Wes Honkin for George Kittle a year ago that people go. would be missing out if they weren't drafting George Kittle. Pay no attention to any of the bad advice. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Adam Rank coined the term league of record. You know, everybody, maybe mm. some people do one league, uh, maybe you do two or three, but there's always one league that that's the one that's most important to you. Classy of you to acknowledge Rank on that. Eh, throw him a bone. I yeah. like Adam a lot. Nice guy. Longtime colleague. Yeah. Yeah. I would say bet- besides Mark, Rank might be my only colleague that I, you know, when I came into the NFL, he was already here. Survivor. Wow. Yeah. You guys. So Rank's been here for a long time, as of I, perhaps too long. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's get into it. Winners and losers of training camp and preseason week one. We'll go around the horn. I will. I don't know about you guys, and if Mark was here, Mark a little under the weather today. If Mark was here, I'm sure he would give us a lot of the losers. He's very good with that. I came up with a lot of uh, positive ones, and maybe you guys will balance it out because mine are mostly on the winner's side. Oh, I've got some losers. Yeah, so that's good. So that will balance it all out. Um, so we'll go around the horn here a few times. Um, I want It sounds like you've got some good losers. So I'm going to start Greg off with throw us a winner, Greg. Okay. And then maybe I'll come in with another winner. And then, Wes, you can get going. Hammer drop? Hammer drop, a big old loser. All right. Let's All right. go. Let's start in uh, Pittsburgh where uh, really two winners, basically the young Steelers, but starting with Devin Bush. And I know it's, it's just a preseason game, but this is their number one overall, uh, their number one draft pick this year. The 
middle linebacker of the Steelers following in that great tradition. What you want to see out of a rookie or really any starters playing with a bunch of backups is that it's just as obvious that he's the, the star out there and the starter mm-hmm. and that he's playing with a bunch of backups and he's just dominating them. And for a guy to do that in his first preseason game coming straight out of college, Devin Bush had 10 tackles, five uh I think, what are they called? Stops, where Stops. it's like a successful thing. Solo. Solo yeah. tackles that creates a, a negative play for the offense. He he was just flying around, and it, it also backs up what everyone's saying in Steelers camp is that, look, he's their leader. He's calling the plays in the huddle, and, man, they had such a huge hole there last year that, to me, he's the favorite right now for Defensive Rookie of the Year just because that's the easiest position to do it, and I love what I saw, and I also love what I saw to James Washington, uh, their receiver. I think this Steelers receiver group is going to be fine. James Washington, Moncrief, and then you have Deontay uh, Spencer as like your fourth kind of well, smaller guy. Deontay Johnson, the, the, rook, the, the guy they drafted. Deontay Spencer is the CFL return Mick, special. Making up my Deontay's, right. And uh, Washington, who made three big plays in that game and just kind of looks like he's coming along. And that, again, it supports what's going on in camp. So it's not – you're not just like going crazy off one preseason game, but you've been hearing that from the writers there that Washington's making well, a big Well, I'm super peeved right now. I'm PO'd. Why? Because uh, I had a chance to start the segment and be the hero to talk about the Steelers. That well, was my first one, too. Oh, they, they, were my, they were my first winner, wow. too. Okay. And for the for obvious the also reason, they're not dealing with yes. Antonio Brown's headache. Right I, I have here, I have Devin Bush. They've been looking to fill that Ryan Shazier slot for years now, multiple years. They need a little stability, and maybe he's that guy. James Washington, they have such a great track record of developing wide receivers. I and Juju Smith-Schuster, we already know, is now a superstar. I have no doubt that Ben Roethlisberger, if he stays healthy, is going to be once again that guy that throws for 4,000, 5,000 yards. I just I assume they're going to find a way to make it happen. And I just think, in general, the Camp Kumbaya vibe of all this. <laughs> now, they got hit by some tragedy this weekend. Uh, Daryl Drake, their wide receiver coach, unexpectedly passed away, and that's really sad. But before before that event happened, you know, everything around this camp has been very positive. And last year, the whole camp was undermined by the Le'Veon Bell drama. And then at the end of the season, Antonio Brown pulled his shenanigans, quitting on the team. You're not hearing any of this drama around the Steelers. And I think I think we're on the same. I know, Greg, you are, and I imagine, Wes, you are as well, that this team is – perhaps lying in the weeds in the AFC, which they never do because you always expect them to be a heavy favorite, but you don't hear as much about them. And that's a good thing, I think, if you're a Steelers fan. You said the word stability, and for the last half century, there's been no better example of stability in the league than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's how I look at them with Devin Bush. That was their one Achilles heel last year on defense. Now they've got a guy who not only can call the plays, be the leader, can cover running backs and tight ends, which they didn't really have last year. They've got um, Edmonds, the guy they drafted in the first round last year. Charlie Batch, the preseason announcer, is talking about him being a Pro Bowl candidate because he's had such a strong training camp. And then James Washington and Deontay Johnson at wide receiver to give you some depth. This looks like a really stable team to me. Um, Let me go with another AFC powerhouse, especially on offense. Um, The Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so they drafted, of course. Remember around the draft, that's right when the Tyreek Hill stuff dropped like a hammer um, with the recorded audio conversation with his domestic issue. And the next day, the Chiefs go out and they draft Nicole Hardman, who um, you thought at the time, it seemed in late April like Tyreek Hill perhaps would never play for the Chiefs again. Maybe never play in the NFL again. Well, it turns out, whether you agree with it or not, Tyreek Hill is going to be a part of the Chiefs all season. And now you add, you take Hardman, who in, in the lens of the draft around that time, it kind of looked like 
God, you know, it's going to be tricky. They're going to ask this rookie to step in and be a major, uh, uh, play a major role. And is he going to be ready? Well, now he could kind of develop at his own pace. In the first preseason game, you, he showed off that speed. He took a shovel pass in the end zone, blew away some Bengals uh, on defense, and he's had a really good camp from everything we're hearing. So you add it all up, and you and you have, uh, of course. Uh, Kelsey in there as well, and their abilities. It's almost an embarrassment of riches in Kansas that first, City. That first pass from Mahomes to hit Kelsey in stride down the sideline. Right, line. to do that on the first play of preseason. And wild. then Mikul Hardman is, runs a 4-3-3. Tyreek Hill runs a 4-3-4. Darwin Thompson, a guy they drafted in the sixth round, looked incredible in that game. This team, like, I have got winner as Mahomes' repeat MVP chance. <laughs> Already. Couple throws. I mean, look at the space. I'm with you though. The space they have with Tyreek, and now I have this guy. I'm with you. The Chiefs weirdly are almost li- not lying in the weeds, but they should be the favorite to me, just because they have Mahomes and their defense played at such a terrible level last year that I actually think there's a lot to like about what they've done on defense, uh, including their rookie second round pick, their original second round pick, which was Juan Thornhill, who's had a great camp at safety, and suddenly you have Thornhill and and Honey Badger back there. That was a weakness in their secondary and Spags, you know, and I've been t- tough on Spags over there, yeah, but have. man, they needed a change on their defense. All they have to do is be average. I mean, they were 30, they were between 27th and 31st in the league, depending on which metric you trust. And if they can just be better, man, that they're to me, they are the favorites. It'd be crazy that for anyone to not be, I'm banging the, I don't know what the, the desert people say, but I'm banging the over. If it's like 12 and a half for wins for them, I think they're going to mm. have another big regular season. Now will it translate in January. I don't know. That seems to be a bugaboo for about 30 years and counting. <laughs> I mean, if they won that coin flip, I still think they'd be Super Bowl champs as much as uh, I, I would not want that to happen. It's mm. been a bugaboo since Len Dawson was smoking heaters in the halftime at the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> smoking heaters. All right, speaking of heaters, Wes, drop it. Drop an A-bomb on something. Here's a loser. Steal some dreams. There is a player <laughs> in the midst of the most futile, some might say hair-brained hair-browned holdout I've ever seen, Melvin Gordon. Mm. Is extremely futile. I don't know what he's. Tr- I know what he's trying to accomplish, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not a free agent at the end of the year. He's he better get in camp and, and fight for a starting job. Austin Eckler looked incredible. Justin Jackson looked good. Uh, none other than Ladanian Tomlin said of Justin Jackson. He's got vision, power, acceleration, all the things you want to see in a young running back. And Melvin Gordon, I don't. I I, I just think he's he's either getting bad advice or somebody's not twisting his arm enough to get him in camp. Mm. I, I do think that's a big factor in his holdout that they have good backups, that they have a good running scheme. First of all, I think Anthony Lynn does a good job kind of, you know, in the running game and they have really good backups. If if they were in a situation like Dallas uh, where you just have Tony Pollard, who's a fourth round rookie and it's looked fine and they're trying to talk. Him also, up. if you were as good as Ezekiel Elliott, that might make sense, but he's not. as Right. Good. So it's the combination. But I think. The Chargers are a team that really want to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're sweating it nearly as much because they got really good backups. Also, uh, hey, the rest of your teammates are working. We have some breaking news. Oh, how about this? This from Tom Pelissero. Antonio Brown's grievance over his helmet was denied by an arbitrator. 
Uh, after months of fighting it, he'll have to wear an improved helmet this season, barring a long-shot legal challenge. Otherwise, he can't play or get paid. And then A.B. on Twitter chimes in, and this kind of refutes the Adam Schefter reporting, or he changed his mind. But here's what Brown had to say. While I disagree, disagree with the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season. Appreciate all the concerns about my feet. Hashtag always a fight. Hashtag represent. Hashtag it's bigger than me. See? He's a great teammate, Wes. What? What are we talking about? Where does this guy get off with the hashtag it's bigger than me? Well, Why don't you act like it Nothing is once. bigger than A.B. That's act the one like thing you know about. Once. No, but you're missing the point, Wes. That was before. Now he's a good teammate. It's bigger than Oh. <laughs> I also like a, I like um, a tweet where it's all in quotes. He quoted him. He's quoting himself oh. on his own Twitter. <laughs> That's like fourth person. I don't know what that is. Oh my it's a new frontier. All right. So, but th- uh, there is something to take out of that, that there, this drama is unlikely to be one that extends to a retirement or some malarkey like that. Now it's just a matter of his feet getting right and then complaining about the helmet all season, I imagine. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I really, I hope he does not have a concussion for you know, many reasons, but if he does, he's going to go crazy. Oh my God. All right. Um, got another one, Greg? Win or lose or anything you got? Uh, let's, uh, let's make the Jaguars, uh, backup quarterback situation a loser here. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the stylings of Gardner Minshew, uh, sixth round pick out of Washington state. That's their backup quarterback right now. Totally familiar for Jacksonville. They went, the, the, the quarterbacks in the Jags game against the Ravens went 10 for 25 for 44 yards. You don't see that in a 60 minute game. They didn't top a hundred yards total. It's the worst quarterback like backup quarterback situation I think I've ever seen. Just about. I don't know. I guess the, it's tied because at some point you can't. You have a sixth round rookie. You have uh, Tanner Lee, who they're not even trying. Alex Magoo, whatever it is. Like if if Nick Foles misses a game or two, like they're they're done. I mean it, they're gonna try to get someone else. I would imagine, but it's kind of crazy that they're paying Blake Bortles sixteen million dollars on the cap um, right now while they don't even have a backup quarterback. Maybe they should have kept Blake Bortles. I was going to say, pick up the phone and call L.A. I mean, if you're going to pay him that much money, I know it would have been awkward. Just make him the backup. He'd be a lot better than these guys. Some might say they've handled the Blake Bortles thing wrong at different points in the whole so process. Many ways. You know, it's funny you bring up Nick It's not Foles. a big deal, but I just want to It's not a big deal, out. but no, like, one, no one's brought up the you old bring thing. up Nick Foles, who left the depth chart of Philly. Maybe it's not quite as dire as it is in Jacksonville, but with this Nick Sudfeld injury in, in Philly – uh, and Nick Foles hasn't played really enough to worry about if he's a guy who could stay on the field, but you could question it. Carson Wentz, we know the last two years he's had a lot of injuries, and they have Cody Kessler and Clayton Thorson. I mean, I'm, how excited are you about that that group? If, if you did like a two-on-two battle royale between those. Uh, I mean, I would take backup. Kessler, although he was on the Jags last year and, and rejected by them, uh, but he's at least had some moments. <laughs> he's been in the league. Not who you want as your backup, though. Backup quarterback's important. You got to have it buttoned down. Just quote Charlie Casserly. What, what is it again, Greg? Right, the most important person in your organization, see, is your quarterback. And the second most important person in your organization is your backup quarterback. <laughs> and the third? Yeah, it keeps going. It keeps going. That's the QB coach. Infinity. QB coach, the third quarterback. Um, I got a winner. The deflator. I got another winner. Here we go. Long-time believers in the Jared Cook All-Pro season. Oh, yeah, that's on my yeah, list, too. I, like it's, that. I mean, we've been waiting a long time. He's now 32, by the way. So if it's not happening now, 
It's probably never going to happen. He gets better every year. I know. It's not as old as it used to be. Like, some guys now just get better. Yeah, but you— Well, they don't block as much. It's time. It's time for him to put together a true Pro Bowl-type season uh, or perhaps all pro. So you got—remember Dan Campbell? Sure. The the former Jack man. Yes. Also former Cowboys tight end. Former Cowboys tight end. Interim sensation. Interim head coach. Anyway, he's the tight ends coach in New Orleans. Uh, and he's been raving about Cook and says it's easy to see the impact he's going to make. And uh, Mike Triplett of ESPN said that Cook has emerged as, quote, the go-to pass catcher for Drew Brees. And when you factor in all the tools, he's a toolsy guy. That's, that's a little industry term. He's got all the skill level, skill in the world to translate to a 1,200-yard, you know, 15-touchdown monster season. If Drew Brees is Drew Brees, playing in that dome, piling up all the 30, 40 points a game, this is going to be the year, right? When you burn fantasy footballers year after year after year, it takes a few years for them to understand what's really going on. And for the last few years, Jared Cook has been a really good football player. Last year, he was outstanding. I thought he was the best player in the Raiders' offense by far. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. He is their number two receiver. I mean, you're going to have Thomas, and he's number two. And it's probably not even – it's a pretty big drop-off to number three. I'm with you. All right, keep going, Wes. Hit us with anything. Uh, Let's do one quick compliment on the Jets and one quick compliment on the Browns. Jets winners, those uniforms were snazzy. Thank you. And um, I didn't get to watch the game before we talked about it on Friday. Darnold was – he looked great. I love how he moves in the pocket. You know, we always talk about Romo saying his spatial awareness. He looked phenomenal. And then the Browns blue chip talent. Baker Mayfield – Coming out looking like an absolute stud, and Miles Garrett just abusing uh, the Redskins' left tackle with a move that you don't see from many defensive ends. We can worry about their offensive line, and it's absolutely a factor, but I'm going to continue to believe in the Browns because they have better players than most teams. Mm. That that was one of mine as well. I was more focused on the 2018 QB class. Baker looked great. Yes. Darnold looked great. Lamar Jackson uh, did some things. Rosen and Allen maybe a little bit more of a mixed bag, but – um, especially, and I'm fa- take my Jets fandom out of it. I just, it's not. This is my brain just watching Darnold. That this guy, when this season's over, is going to be seen as a star quarterback. I truly think that's he, half the battle. He is just that. He has all the tools and his ability to move, like you were saying, Wes, to go through progressions. The ability in which he's picked up this Adam Gase offense very quickly. I think they're going to be a really mat- nice match together. I don't know if Adam Gase is going to survive in New York, but I do think his sensibilities as a coach is going to lead to the Jets' offense being maybe. I'm not. I'm going to go nuts here, and maybe they could be a top ten unit like they were in that Ryan Fitz year, back into the top ten. They have the ability to put up points. I think this year. Um, so I'm very excited. And Mayfield, yeah, you're right. There's, you could say maybe that they'll, you could go the football, uh, uh, the uh, Farmers Almanac route and say maybe other, all these other things are going to go against them. <laughs> football uh, outside. I know. Almanac. I always call it the Farmers <laughs> Almanac. Um, and maybe they're an eight-win team, but Mayfield's going to be a, a superstar in this league. Yes, I think he's already there. He is there. And there's nothing you could see from the preseason opener to tell you that's not going to be the case. I, I do think the preseason opener of the Redskins, uh, not a concern, but I'm going to put the Dwayne Haskins' chances of starting week one as like a loser. Not that yep. not that he is, you know, that's mm-hmm. it's expected. A mid-round first, you know, first-round pick. It really, again, goes with, you know, the, the beat writers for The Athletic have been saying this for weeks. 
that they don't think it's that close between Haskins, Keenum, and McCoy, that Haskins is trailing because he just has too many missed throws where there's no one in his face and he just misses the throw. And that's what happened on his interception uh, in the preseason opener. He actually had two uh, overall. He made a couple of really great throws. Again, what you hear from practice. Uh, and then the rest of it was pretty up and down. And Jay Gruden more or less indicated to Peter King that, that he is trailing those other two guys. I think you got to make a cha- choice between McCoy and Keenum because I think you want to get Haskins as many reps as you possibly can. He'll probably play at some point this year. Just pick one of the other guys so you can split it instead of having it go in three ways. But just pick one of those other guys because I, I just don't think he's going to be the week one starter at this point. Gruden said he's going to. He hopes to pick a quarterback by the end of the third preseason right, game. Right, but that's that's still two more weeks away. Just I don't know. I liked Haskins' arm, and I liked his mobility. It was better than what I thought it was advertised. Yeah, but was. his decision-making, to me, he's just too young and raw and inexperienced. He plays a little bit too much like Jason, Jameis Winston, just loose with the ball. Is there any chance that Daniel Jones starts before Dwayne Haskins? Yes, I think there's a. I think that's more likely. What? Really? Absolutely. I definitely wouldn't go more likely. I think there's a chance, sure, if the Giants started out really poorly and the Redskins didn't. Cause I, Daniel I Jones looked really impressive. I mean, it was only like one possession. Throws. And I guess if I'm the coach, I'm taking him out after that one too because it was perfect. He looked, he looked so much more athletically gifted than I was led to believe. He was supposed to play a second series, and then there was a lightning storm. So, oh, okay. Got oh, it. yeah. He, over too much. His his combine <laughs> numbers are wild. They're they're up there almost with like Luck and and Cam Newton. I mean, he is very athletic. Well, he's playing behind one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL on a team going nowhere. So that's why he's going to play early. All right. Uh, we brought up something good about the Jets. Here's a negative. Their secondary is probably the reason they won't be a playoff team. And the latest news: Trumaine Johnson. Uh, yanked his hamstring in practice, and he's out indefinitely. And this, uh, you know, gross mismanagement in the Mike McCagnan era, first and foremost was offensive line, but never being able to put together a secondary uh, during his time there. This is who they have right now, their top three cornerbacks. Get ready. Buckle up, New York. It's on in New York City. Daryl Roberts, Brian Poole, who the Falcons said, we don't want you around no more, and a rookie Kyron Brown, who's undrafted out of Akron. They have no other quarterback on their roster with NFL experience. So if Trumaine Johnson, <laughs> their only chance to be okay at cornerback was if Trumaine Johnson played like the guy the Jets paid for, which he certainly didn't last year. If he's going to be down with an injury, and he missed games last year with an injury as well, this is going to be a unit that will be lit up and will kill them all year. Jamal Adams today, just today, said he volunteered to play cornerback, which I imagine was in jest, but it tells you just how serious this problem is uh, seen both inside and outside the organization. Well, the combination of that cornerback group with a lack of a real edge rushing presence is easily their biggest issue. I think when you look at the best teams in the league, they have really deep uh, defensive backfields, the ones that you can match up all sorts of different matchups because it's 2019. You're going to have to stop three, four, five receivers on every play. You know, not just wideouts, but tight end. And, and you're right. They're just not deep. They have a good safety duo. But even after their starting safeties, it's like the the depth just isn't there. And I think that's if there's anything stopping the Jets from being a playoff team, it's that it's the pass defense because that includes the pass rush, I think, right. too, that the pass defense, it's going to just it's hard to imagine you never know. You could you could coach it up, and it could be great. But it's hard to imagine them being near average. A lot of pressure on Greg Williams to figure out a way to scheme it up, Wes. I have another loser. Let's hear it. 
clarity on pass interference replay standards. Hmm. I am thoroughly confused after watching no one, uh, every game but the Jaguars game. Um, I don't understand how you will see replays where the defensive player hits the receiver before the ball gets there enough to cause it. And sometimes it will be pass interference and sometimes it won't. And I am only led to assume that this will be the case all year long because that's what a judgment call is. It's funny, Wes, because I had the new pass interference rule under winners. And this has nothing to do whether I believe in the new pass interference rule. It's just how was it operated? Here's some facts. 15 challenge flags thrown in week one, including the Hall of Fame game. Only one was overturned. Uh, 6.7% per NFL research. There were 35 pass interference calls made in the 17 games. Coaches challenged six of them. None were overturned. Coaches challenged nine plays in which no flag was thrown for pass interference. One was overturned. That was in the Jets-Giants game. Um, So, to me, the fact that it wasn't a big story coming out of week one of the preseason is a good thing. Um, And Ron Rivera made it clear when we were at the NFL Talent Summit he made it clear that they're not looking to reinvent the wheel of how this how this is officiated. They don't want to rock the boat, and they did not in week one here. Well, that that's all fine and dandy, that they don't want to rock the boat, and the standards are supposed to stay what they are. But that's not going to make any fans happy when they see a guy on another team getting away with something their player can't get away with. And that's what the pass interference confusion is. They're trying to send a message that they're not going to overturn many plays. I mean, that's what it's feel. It feels like they're trying. It's, like I don't, a, it's I don't, I don't think the, I don't think Al Riveron or the officials wanted this rule in the no, first place, and it's almost like they're going to try to destroy it on some level by never overturning anything or minimize its impact. Yeah, which yeah. I like. I, I'm yeah. with you, Dan. I think ultimately, it's not that's as, the best case scenario. I don't know what else could be better. It's not as flat out stupid as the old catch rule. But it, it shares some of the same things that you're. if you're a fan, you're looking at a guy do something for another team and he gets away with it, but you, your guys can't do it. Mm. All right. You want to do a real quick speed round, uh, go through it back and forth one more time? Yeah. Sure. All right, Greg, give us a quick one. How about Jarrett Stidham, the Patriots rookie quarterback? <laughs> I'm serious. I think this is going to be a story. They've said since the first – OTAs, they've been shocked how accurate, how good he's looked, how advanced he is. He's gotten more reps with the first team than Jacoby Brissett or Jimmy Garoppolo uh, or uh, who they draft last year, Danny Edling, ever did as a rookie. And he's pretty – I think you can just tell they like him, and he looked great. And Patriots fans are just, like, ready to latch on to the next one. Not not well, that Tom good. Brady's going anywhere, but there's it's someone they're going to like. Also, one last Patriots point. Yeah. Jamie Collins looks ready for a reunion. This is going to drive Mark crazy. <laughs> I think Jamie Collins is going to have a big year. Nice nice linebacker. Uh, the start of the Zach Taylor era in Cincinnati, West 11 penalties for 150 yards, 15 yards, four turnovers. Uh, you know, the rookie running back got hurt on one of the interceptions. Uh, not looking too hot. That's a negative. On the positive, well, you know. Come on, let's be honest about uh, our boy Marcus Mariota. He's under the, he's under pressure this season. Ryan Tannehill, very good in his debut. Twelve of sixteen, one hundred thirty yards, two touchdowns. Book it, eight and a half starts for Tanny. On, on Bengals, quickly. The craziest thing I read all last week was Andy Dalton threw a touchdown um, to Josh Malone last Thursday, and it was the first explosive play touchdown of the Bengals training camp. <laughs> they hadn't had one yet. 
I they hadn't had like a 20-plus touchdown. Practice. In any practice. We're talking about practice. Practice. That is worrisome. Dan and I are simpatico on most of these. I have losers, 2019 Bengals expectations, because outside of the head coach, I'm not sure what's changed. Mm. They still have no wide receiver depth. They still have bad offensive line. They still have linebackers with no speed. I, I don't know what's different about the Bengals other than the head coach. Mm. I wouldn't expect any different results. Um, what was the other one? You Oh, Mariota and Tannehill. I talked about that last week based on what I think is going on in that building, and I do think they believe in Mariota. But then I watched the game, and he has admitted in the past he's got footwork problems. They looked worse to me just in that one series than they did at any time in the past. And Tannehill looked better than he ever did with the Dolphins. Mm. Mm, keep an eye on a Titans fan. Also, David Montgomery I talked about when I only saw yes. the highlights, and then I watched the whole Bears game. Bears running back. And looking. this is every preseason yeah. I have a running back that I, I'm all in on. I love David Montgomery. This guy has the instincts, patience, vision, um, receiving skills. He's got the cutting ability. I know he's not explosive. He's not Saquon Barkley athletically. He just looks like he was born to play running back. Is he the mm. Philip Lindsay of uh, two? They're so different. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I like. Philip Lindsay was so different being an undersized, undrafted guy, but mm. also a lot more speed-based than David Montgomery. And Before we go, one, one last loser. It's robot mindset. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with robot mindset? No, I'm not. On, on Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, wristband every day of practice, he looks down and it says robot mindset. Oh, I don't like that. And that's what he has to have. He has to have the robot mindset. And they asked him about it. He said, because he's not looking this way or that way. He's not worried about anything that's going on. He's got to have that robot mindset. Well, it's going to be tough when you don't have any players on your team. No one's had a worse month than the 49ers. I'm sorry. You're every, every day there's a new injury. They lost their swing tackle, Sean Coleman, for the season in the opener. And Trent Taylor, their starting slot receiver, is now out four to eight weeks. Like, everyone is hurt on that team. They're missing seven, eight starters. Tougher the robot. Isn't the mindset. goal of a quarterback or any athlete <laughs> to not be robotic, to be free and easy and loose? Not Russell Wilson. Well, he's yeah, the exception that proves the robot right. mindset. Beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that's it for today's show. And that you know that's a little tease also that Dave Montgomery, Wes might uh, talk about him a little bit next week during the fantasy extravaganza. I have the luxury right now of not caring about fantasy implications when I talk about David Montgomery. That adds a lot more stress when I have to say, well, how much does uh, – what's the guy's name? Michael Davis or what? the other guy? Yeah, Mike Davis. Who I'm not nearly as high on as David Montgomery. You only have to care about it for like 54 minutes a year. <laughs> Just that point. one episode and then you're free and clear. Um, I want to say happy birthday to Jack Hansis, my son. Definitely birthday, not a, Yeah, definitely not a listener of the show, but like maybe when – I'm old uh, in a retirement home or I'm living in his basement or I'm dead. He'll say, oh, you know, let's go back and listen to what dad used to do. And maybe I'll check in on the August 12, 2019 show. Well, here's the shout out to my boy. There I you love go. Him. Hey, Jack. My best friend. You've always been ahead of the game, Jack, even at five. <laughs> Solid Very dad mature, mature boy. <laughs> Very ahead of the game. Way ahead of his dad. Nice All right. left-handed swing, too. He's got the stroke. All right, let's get out of here. Stan Hans is signing off for the mailman, the old boss, and sweet, sweet Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.